This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I'm back again this week and I have with me another special guest. Her name is Laura Mitchell and she is a poetess, an author, all sorts of wonderful things. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to host you today. I first learned about you through your Instagram account, which I think is a wonderful medium that not a lot of writers are using. So I really love that you're using it. Um, I don't know if that's your main avenue. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got started on Instagram? Why Instagram? And maybe if there's other avenues that I don't know about. Interesting that you mentioned that. Um, The funny part is I was slow to come to Instagram. Uh, Being a writer, I'm a lover of words. Um, But finally I said, okay, well, let me take this dive and see what it's about. And ironically, I love Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I love posting posting different pictures. Um, I especially love that it's a medium in which you can use words as a picture. As you know, if you follow my Instagram, a lot of what I post on there will be either pictures of different women or different um, events going on. But sometimes it's just a quote, but it's in a picture form. And so I found that I really love the medium. One of the things I love to do personally for my own book is I'll take a quote from one of my poems and put it as a picture onto my Instagram detailing in there where it's from whether it's from my current book or my upcoming book and um, it really gives my followers um, a way to engage the poems in a way that just putting up the poem or just writing it wouldn't happen Um, I do have other mediums I am on Facebook under Diary of a Young Black Girl which is the name of the book I'm also on Twitter as well but I find that I actually really love Instagram especially for connecting with readers and followers It's been a medium that I had no idea when I first started that I would love as much as I do. (laughs) There's ways that we reach out to our readers through social media that kind of gives them more of the same of what they're already getting. But with Instagram, you know, like you said, using using pictures that have words in them, it really gives you a way to engage a new audience, which is really, really exciting. Yes, definitely. And it's funny because it's actually one of the few social medias that actually still has a wide base in the age range Mm. of people who use it. Um, You still have very young people like teenagers and young adults who use it. But you'll also have like grandparents who use it. You'll have celebrities who use it and then everyday people like us who use it as well. And so it's really cool that you have this intersection that happens there. And allows you this great reach for having conversations and just for sharing pictures. Something that I think has been old as at least the camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. (laughs) Yes. I love this. And I always think there's such an interesting correlation between words and imagery. You know, there's... Um, We start reading with picture books, which have both of those there for us. And then it kind of goes the other way when we get to be adults and we're on Instagram looking at pictures of words. So I I hadn't even thought of it that way, but that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) You have a book that's been published and also another book that's coming out, Diary of a Young Black Girl. And then your upcoming book is The Questions in Between. Tell us us all about these. Are, Are they both poetry books? Yes. They're both poetry books. Um, They're both self-published books. 
and both works from the heart. Diary of a Young Black Girl was a book that I started in 2015. Most of the poems I wrote before then. As a matter of fact, when I wrote them, I always tell people I had no clue I was writing a book. (laughs) Poetry was just being a form of therapy for me. And um, when I decided I was going to put together a book, I found that a lot of my poems really worked together. They were really good for talking about things that were relevant at the time or sharing pieces of my heart. And so um, I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to write this book. And then there's research that goes into writing a book. And there's research that goes into printing a book. Oh, my god! And research that goes into how much does this cost? (laughs) And should I get an attorney? Should I not get an attorney? All of that. Details. And so I spent about a year and a half going through the details. But finally, the dream came true in November of last year. I published diary um i actually premiered it at the miami book fair and it has been an awesome road since then i've seen the book touch so many lives um many parents and grandparents buy it for their teenage grandchildren and children i've seen young people say i don't really read poetry who actually read the book and really like poems in it." it it's been a blessing it's really been a blessing And I'm hoping the same thing happens with questions. Now, the questions in between is a little bit different. It deals a lot more with those hard conversations, those hard questions that we tend to have as we're in between where we are now and where we're trying to go. And that happens in different ways. As with diary, there are some political poems. So some of those are questions we deal with politically. Others are more personal poems, questions we deal with in topics of like love or growing up or just as we look out into the world, things that we wonder about. But most of the poems in that particular book deal with actual questions or the titles start with questions. Mm -hmm. And so um, that one has been a labor of love as well because a lot of the poems I wrote in there, I wrote when I was going through a lot of questions um, about life, about Mm -hmm. love, about the state of the world. And so it's been really cool. It's been a great journey. I'm hoping to actually have it out at minimum on the Kindle by September of this year. Uh, Maybe even print it by then. We'll see. (laughs) I hope so. But yes, I'm excited and looking forward to it. Oh, gosh, I am too. So you kind of took this whole thing onto your shoulders. Like, not only did you write all the poems, but you went through and you researched for a year and a half how to publish, how to self-publish. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that process was like? Um, it was... (laughs) You ever hear the phrase that um, nobody tells you in the beginning what the process is going to look like? Because if you knew what the process was going to look like, you probably wouldn't take it. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it was like. (laughs) Uh, I was so excited about the printing of the book and I'm going to be an author that I really didn't know about things like the business side of things. One of the things is the creative. You're used to tapping into that creative side, but... I couldn't figure out why for most of 2016, I wasn't able to write a whole lot. I realized now why, because I had to switch to a business brain to figure out how do I price my book? That was a question I hadn't thought of before. Oh my how do I price my book? I did decide to use an attorney. Okay, how do I pay my attorney? <laughs> how do I make <laughs> sure contracts are done? <laughs> when I find an editor, how do I price 
having an editor? How do I find an editor who handles both the writing part of the editing, but also who understands poetry? Mm -hmm. That was much harder than I thought. Um, Mm -hmm. I just thought I can go on Fiverr or a publishing website. But it turns out there aren't a whole lot of poetry editors. Finding a printer was also a big deal. Now, I looked up, there was a printer who is based out of the state of Florida. Uh, my printer is ANA Printing. I'll give them a shout out. And uh, they were wonderful. Every question I had, they were there to answer uh, because they've published several books, several different authors a diversity of authors as far as culture and a diversity of topics. So they were really helpful in guiding me through the printing part of the process. But like all of these things that when I first said, yeah, I'm going to publish a book, I had no clue into the process. <laughs> um, not at all. So those were the hardest parts, realizing that for every time I thought, okay, I got this, there was something else to learn. And yet that was the greatest part of it too. I learned so much that I wouldn't have known if I would have went with a traditional publisher. Um, I'm not averse to a traditional publisher for future works, but going through this process, I definitely learned a lot about the publishing industry I would have known. Yes, yes. And and I feel like you're the type of person who loves to learn. You're currently working on a master's degree right now, too? Yes, I'm working on a master's degree in counseling, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, Yes. Yes, and I'm in my last year, my internship year, and that has been awesome. Um, I've learned quite a bit in my classes, but I'm also learning quite a bit in the practical side of things as well. I've learned a lot from my clients, from my coworkers. Um, The site that I'm at really is a great site with great people who've worked there for a while. Um, Many of them have worked there for years. And so I'm able to tap into this practical education that has really opened up my eyes to counseling and to people in ways that I'm not sure that I will fully be able to appreciate for years to come. That's absolutely wonderful. I have so much respect for counselors, mediators. I think that's such a wonderful thing to get into. You initially talked about your poetry writing as therapy. Yes. Um, And I I can't help but think maybe there's a connection between these two things. I wondered the same thing. Um, When I originally was doing it, I really hadn't made that connection. But the more I get into my studies and the more I learn about particularly narrative therapy and bibliotherapy, I think you hit on a good point. One of the phrases I live by is that everyone has a story. Mm -hmm. And in therapy, story is actually something that we use a lot to help our clients tap into um, the issues they're going with, but also tap into the solutions Mm -hmm. that they need to go forward. And so... I think the fact that for so long I used writing as a way of getting out my story and the stories that I saw in the world around me, uh, I don't think it's that much of a coincidence then that as I go into my master's degree, that will be what I study. It's almost like it came full circle. Did I see it that way? No, but now I'm able to see it a little (laughs) bit more. (laughs) I love it when things work out that way. And I love what you said about the importance of story and how we can find healing and solutions in story. You also talked about two things I'm not familiar with, and that is narrative therapy and bibliotherapy. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are? Yes, they're actually two of my favorite techniques in therapy. Narrative therapy is this idea that 
you can actually help the client through their story. For many therapists, it's through actually writing their story. Um, but for some, it may not necessarily be in the writing, but in the telling of the story. And so you help the client to shape um, how they talk about their life, not in the, well, I got problems or I need help with my family, but what's your story? So that person may start from childhood and work their way forward, or it may just be a story about what's currently going on. But instead of it just coming out in paragraphs or sentences, it's shaped as a story that helps them to understand and make sense of it. Um, bibliotherapy is the use of books within therapy. And so a lot of therapists, especially if they know that their clients are readers or they need to be readers, will suggest books to help in the process of moving from where they are to helping them find solutions for where they want to be. And so, for instance, if the client is dealing with depression, they may give them a book that explains what depression is um, or that the protagonist of the book may have depression and see if the client can connect with some of the symptoms that that particular character is going through. If the client is dealing with marital issues, they may, for instance, suggest something like Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages or um, I'm trying to think of another marriage book right now. But, you know, they they tend to use books not to substitute for the therapy, but to enhance it so that it gives that client a better understanding through the art form of writing and through the art form of reading to understand the problems they're going through and also hopefully to help them find solutions to those problems. I love this so much. I love what you're doing. This is so important. So what, what drew you to, to say, Hey, I'd like to get my master's in this. Um, funny part is I, <laughs> I originally as a child wanted to be an attorney. Really? Uh, yes. <laughs> I wanted to be an attorney and um, I really love the law. I love reading the law. Even to this day, a lot of people nickname me attorney or um, they'll ask me questions about the law, even though I have not one law degree. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but um, when I saw that law school didn't seem to be in the plans, I started looking because I really did want a graduate degree. And so started thinking and praying okay so what really kind of fits me I was thinking maybe educational leadership because I do have a background in education uh, but it wasn't quite fitting and so one day something said research counseling research therapy I was like okay that sounds kind of sounds like it fits a little bit so I researched different schools and their programs um, and what the actual counseling entailed and it, the more I researched, the more I found that it actually fit my personality. And so I ended up choosing Florida Atlantic University, where I go, go Owls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, once I got into my classes, it was funny how familiar a lot of concepts we were dealing with because they were things I had been doing for years. Um, That's awesome. I had called them the same things I was um, learning about, but they were things that I instinctively was doing with different students and families that I had worked with for years. And yet at the same time that I was it was revealed that these were things I was doing. I was also learning so many different new concepts as well, learning new information, learning new statistics um, and new techniques that ended up helping me along the way as well. And so it turned out to be a great fit. 
I'm really glad I chose this path. I'm looking forward to graduation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so looking forward to graduation. But I'm really glad I chose this path. It's definitely been one that has changed the trajectory of my life in ways that, once again, I don't think I'll be able to fully appreciate for years to come. I just, I love the idea of never, just don't ever let yourself stop learning. And and I love that you leave room for that in your life too. Like, I don't know if this is all going to come full circle, but I have the feeling it will. And just leaving room for future understanding. That's so, there's just something so beautiful about that. So thank you for sharing that experience with us. Going back to Diary of a Young Black Girl, um, a lot of people maybe buy this for their children, their grandchildren, teenagers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who you wrote this book for or if you intended it to help people? I know you said it helped you as you were writing it, but mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about the effect it's had? Now, the funny part is, um, like I said, when I was writing the poems, I didn't know I was making it into a book. But once I started figuring out it was going to be a book, I definitely wanted it to be for teenagers and young women. Uh, I mentioned that my background's in education. I've worked with young people for about 20 years at this point. Um, I've been a tutor, a mentor, um, a youth minister for about eight years. And I've actually been a teacher inside and outside of the classroom. And so I have this great wealth of experience working with awesome young people who I, every day I count it as an honor and a blessing that I've gotten to do that. And with a lot of young people, particularly a lot of girls, I don't always think they have an appreciation for how their story matters, how what they have to say matters, how the experiences they've dealt with in their life, even as young as 12 and 13, Mm -hmm. can help each other, can help shape um, the lives of those coming behind them can help them tap into how special they are as people. And so one of the things I wanted to do with this book is to to show them, number one, your story matters. And many of them, I think one of the reasons, even though it's poetry, it connects to them is they see themselves in some of the poems. But the other thing is, I tell people, even if you don't connect with not one poem, which I think will be impossible, <laughs> but even if you don't connect with one poem in this book, my hope is that then it'll actually give you the impetus to say, okay, well, let me write my story then. And if it does that, even better. <laughs> Even better, in this time in which we're having a hard time connecting with each other, especially with people we disagree with, story is one of the last bastions of hope in seeing each other as human, even when we disagree. Because when I hear your story and I'm forced to look into your eyes or read your words, it's really difficult to see you as an object. Because your words are going to connect with parts of me that are human as well. And so... When I wrote this book, that was something that was in my mind. I really wanted particularly young people, but especially young women, to know your story is special. You are special. And to encourage them to write their story. As a matter of fact, when I sign books, um, the phrase that I always put in the book is, keep telling your story. Keep telling your story. Um, Don't be afraid to speak truth to power don't be afraid to voice your experience because one it helps you I know that for a fact in my own life it helped me to write my poems 
But in addition to that, it really helps other people. Mm-hmm. You never know who you'll connect with when you tell your story. That was everything I ever wanted to hear about um, empathy and the power of our stories. So thank you. No wow. problem at all. No it, problem at all. Gosh. What you said about speaking truth to power as well, I would love to help encourage young people to do that. I mean, yes. their stories are so powerful. You don't have to be old or rich to have a powerful story. So At all. Oh. At all. I think about, you know, Shakespeare. Shakespeare in his life wrote all of these different sonnets. He wrote all of these different plays. And he, had, he didn't have to wait to be an old man to do it. Even with someone like... Um, I can't believe I'm going to forget her last name. She's one of my favorite writers. Because you're on the um, spot. <laughs> yeah. The the writer for um, Pride and Prejudice. Jane Austen. Jane Austen. Thank you. Jane Austen. <laughs> Jane Austen didn't really live to be that old when mm. we really think about it in miracle age. And yet the stories she left behind are stories that to this day, from a different time period, from a different system, connect with people in ways that is undescribable. Toni Morrison, one of my favorite writers, when I read The Bluest Eye, my heart broke for Pecola. <laughs> you know, uh, it just absolutely broke for this young girl who could not love herself. And it's a fictional story. And yet she wrote it in such a way that you literally feel like you're looking into the story of this 12-year-old girl. And these are people across different timelines. These are people of different ages when they wrote these stories. These are people who will never meet. Jane Austen never met Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison never met Shakespeare. I will never meet Shakespeare or Jane Austen. And maybe in this lifetime, I'll get a chance to meet Toni Morrison. Maybe not. And yet their stories have connected with millions of people across the world. And they didn't have to be, like I said, they didn't have to be old as dirt in order to do it. They just had to have the courage to actually write those stories down and put it out there. Mm. for other people. Yes. Oh my gosh. And and I love that you drew on those three authors because they didn't write nonfiction. They didn't write biographies. They wrote no. fiction, but there's still that powerful truth in there. Yes. Oh. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's interesting because, you know, I think sometimes we get into that debate in the writing world about which story or which genre is more important. Is it poetry? Is it nonfiction? Is it fiction? Is it sci-fi? Is it murder <laughs> mystery? Is it romance? The reality is you can write a romance that touches the heart of people and yet reveals a great truth. You can write a sci-fi that speaks more to our world now than the outer space world that the writer is even writing about. You can write a poetry. You don't even have to write the whole poem. You can write a line of poetry that touches the heart in such a way that people change. Hmm. And you can write fiction in such a way that they feel that they're actually in the world of someone who walked the earth. And so it's not so much about the genre, even though genre is important. It's about the writing. Hmm. It's about the narrative. It's about getting what's in your head out so that people can actually see I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. That's the power of story. It tells us we're not alone. So I've, I've been taking notes too, and I've, I've got, I have to show you this whole paper is full (laughs) of things that you've said so far. This is such a, this is such a beautiful conversation, sharing storytelling, letting us know that we're not alone. That's, it's just crucial to being human and to keeping our humanity. I yes. love I love what you said about um, 
so sometimes writers ask me for advice. So one of the, the biggest pieces of advice I can give is to read a lot. Because yes. that is that is how we get truth. That is how we understand this art form that we're creating. So thank you for hitting on that point as well. It's how we stay empathetic and connected with each other. And that's so, so increasingly important. Very. So if there is somebody listening to this show right now who is maybe thought about writing, but never really had the courage to do it, never really sat down to write a poem or to write the first chapter of their novel, what would your advice be to them? Um, my advice would be, first of all, start off writing. And I don't mean necessarily writing with the purpose of publishing. That will come if it's meant to come. Just start off writing just to write. Whether it be poems. I like poems, um, one, because I like poetry, and two, because I'm lazy. Um <laughs> It's short form works for me. <laughs> um, but start off writing. If you have a story within you, start off writing the characters. Um, because I can tell you right now, especially in novels, I may not necessarily remember every single word, but I remember characters, mm-hmm. and most people do. If it's um, you feel that you have a play within you, same thing, start off with character and start off with the world that you want to create. One of the things about sci-fi and murder mystery especially is the characters are important, but the world around them is just as important. It's a character of itself. Yes. Uh, Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so if you want to write a novel, you know, start off with writing this world around you. What do you you want to be important in the world? What values do you want to portray in your story? What place do you want to portray? Dickens... A Tale of Two Cities is like one of the most powerful stories that half the people who remember the story have not even read because they remember the first line. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was London. It was Paris. You know, many people have no clue what the rest of the book is about. But yet the setting alone is like, oh, Okay. So what is the difference between these two places? It was the best times, worst stuff. What does that mean? You know, and so start off by thinking, where do you want to set your story? If you're going to write a nonfiction or a biography, really get into the head of the person you're writing about. But just start off by thinking, what is it that you're trying to do? What is it you want to portray to your um, audience? The other thing, especially if you're writing poetry, is... Poetry is one of those art forms that is meant to evoke thought. Hmm. It's meant to evoke emotion. And so you also want to think about that exactly, not necessarily what do I want them to come away with, because trust me, your readers are going to come up with different emotions (laughs) and uh, don't go down that rabbit hole. But but how do I write this in a way that will evoke something? How do I write it in a way that will touch that will make them think um you can't control what they'll think but will make them think and then just go from there it may be that you end up publishing it it may be something that stays in your notebook and maybe your grandchildren one day will publish it you never know but i suggest start writing start reading definitely that's awesome advice start reading and start writing um the best writers even in music they read because that's where they pull different analogies and metaphors and famous lines and things of that nature from what they've read, mm-hmm. what they've been exposed to. I have one final question for you. Awesome. 
<laughs> but I, I've, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I want to I wanna have 10 more questions to ask you. <laughs> and I probably could. Um, but what is your, when you're writing, what is your absolute favorite thing about writing? Oh, good question. <laughs> you might have stumped me. Um, <laughs> the reason the reason that I said that is because it's it's almost like writing has been something that's been a friend ever since I learned how to do it. Um, I recently wrote a poem about how turning six was a miracle because that's when I learned how to write. So all the thoughts that have been in my head, I finally found a way to put them out in the earth. Um, and so... My favorite thing I think about writing is being able to do just that, to put that world that stays in my head out on paper, to actually bring to forward everything that's up here and bring it into a form that I can read it. And then after reading it, the other thing I love about writing is how it touches the lives of others when they read it. I am still in amazement when I hear people read my words back to me. <laughs> It still amazes me that people pay me for my words. <laughs> they pay me to actually read things that were once stuck in my head somewhere. And so I think those are the two coolest things about writing for me. The fact that I get to bring these great worlds that are in my brain and put them in paper form. Um, or put them on paper. But then after that, also seeing how those words touch other people. Mm-hmm. how they impact them um, and how they give them permission to see themselves. I love this conversation. You are wonderful. I Thank hope, you. I, I, hope, mean... I hope people tell you that every day because I've been having kind of a, a rotten day and sitting down to speak with you has been an absolute blessing. So oh, thank you. Thank you're you. just, you're just great. I'm honored and humbled to <laughs> say that. Trust me. So, so if people are interested in grabbing a copy of your book, if they're interested in finding you online, um, I'm going to have links to your Instagram and all that good stuff. But where where can they find you? Where can they get your books online? Well, for those in Tallahassee, it's actually at a bookstore. Um, my favorite books. Uh, please go and support. They've been awesome in this journey. But for those outside of Tallahassee, Florida, uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's on the Kindle, and it's also on an online store called AfricanBookstore.net. All three of those locations online, you can get the book with Amazon and AfricanBookstore.net. They'll be shipped to you. Kindle, it'll pop right up on your Kindle, and you can read it for yourself. Um, As I stated, the questions in between will hopefully be on Kindle, if nowhere else, in September. Uh, The hope is actually to get it printed as well, and that will also at some point be available on Amazon as well and AfricanBookstore.net. I'm working on putting it in more stores and in more um, digital spaces as well as we speak, but um, for right now, those are the three main locations, so... Wonderful. So if you're listening to this, please do go out, get your copy. If you live in Tallahassee, get a physical copy. Otherwise, order it. Please follow Laura on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Once again, I'll have all those links in the show notes for today's episode. Laura, you're doing wonderful and amazing things. You are knitting together lives and you're providing healing to people. And that's so important. So thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. Um, this conversation has really been an awesome opportunity and awesome for me as well. Good. Awesome for me as well.
Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. And uh, wow, uh, have, have